All right, thanks, Katie. And it's going to bother me if I keep stepping on that over and over again. Um, yeah, we're actually talking today about prayer. So I thought it was appropriate as we're kicking off this time of focused prayer to talk about prayer, which is something that is one of the most important practices of our lives. And also, I think for most of us, one of the most challenging. Anyone besides me feel challenged with prayer? Uh, yeah, I, it's, it can be tough. And although it's funny, we're, we're, we're wired to pray. I've had numerous conversations with people who identified as atheists. But I've found a great question to ask them is, do you ever pray? And I've yet to find an atheist who doesn't sheepishly admit, yeah, I pray to this God I don't believe in. Because there's, we're, so, we're just made by God to connect with Him, and we're made as spiritual beings. We're made to communicate and, and hear Him. And prayer is the way that we do that. But when it comes to being uh, consistent, or with this so, it's so easy for life and other things to crowd that out. And I know that's a challenge for me. And so, I actually, I don't think I've ever done this before, but I was... I picked up this little book off my shelf that I've had for years and never read. My kids give me a hard time. They're like, Dad, you got all these books, but do you ever even read them? So I'm like, I'm going to get to them someday. And so I had this one little book by a, a pastor from the first half of the 1900s named A.W. Tozer. A lot of you have probably heard of him. He's a well-known pastor. And he has a book called The Importance of Prayer. Um, and the first, I forget, I think that's the title, but the first chapter is The Importance of Prayer. And I read that and I was like, this is what we should talk about. So I'm basically just giving you his points. I mixed it up a little bit. Uh, he had 11. I've boiled it down to, to 7 and changed it up a little bit. But these are like, this, this is so good to help just motivate us and help us understand why to pray and, and how to pray. Um, and really, I, I love that we're doing this after we took part in communion together because it really is such a privilege to be able to come right into God's presence and talk to him. If you think about, like, God is more powerful than any president, and you can't just go into the Oval Office. But because of the blood of Jesus, we are encouraged to come boldly before the throne of grace and bring our request and pour out our hearts and, and listen to him. So it's because of Jesus we have this incredible, incredible privilege. In Ephesians 6.18, this is kind of our overarching theme verse. In the NLT, it, it reads like this, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. You got, I'm going to try to get a little bit of uh, repeat after me going here. So, say, at all times. On every occasion. So that's a lot, right? This is like a big deal. Pray in the Spirit all the time, every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. A bunch of alls in here. All time, all occasions, for everyone, everywhere. A.W. Tozer said it. He said, basically, uh, Paul is writing Ephesians. This is what he's saying. I must pray, pray, pray. I must put all my energy and all my heart into prayer. Whatever else I do, I must pray. Now, this, is, this is intense. Like, this is all out. I, it's really important that we're praying. And if God's encouraging us to do that, then that means he makes it possible. And there's a, there's a, a value or a, a reward in that. So why pray? I'm going to talk through, I'm going to give you seven. 
And then we're going to see what, hopefully a couple of these are, or all of them are helpful for you, but we're going to have a little discussion at your table after this is, is done. So why pray? The first one is to experience God personally. We pray to experience and know God personally. Really what we talked about, about the whole, the, the altar and the sparrows and coming close to God. Man, as we pray, we build a relationship with God. Just like, I remember when I was, uh, when I was 10, we had, my family took in a, a foster daughter. Who was, she was 16 at the time. And she had a boy, soon after that she got a boyfriend. And this was back in the 80s. Back when you had phones in your houses, and teenagers would like, you'd call on the actual phone that was connected to the wall. And so, it's funny, because she ended up marrying this guy, and he was like the quietest guy. He was very, very quiet, very hard to talk to. But when you're a teenager, and when you're in love, it's funny how guys start talking. <laughs> guys who don't talk start talking. And so, it was a nightly thing. Like The phone would ring, he would call, and they would be on the phone for... 30, 45 minutes, an hour, and me and my younger siblings, our favorite thing to do would be to, like, get on the other phone <laughs> and try to listen in, you know, and there'd always be the little, like, click, and then my sister Robin would be like, I hear you, get off the phone right now, and so we'd, like, push down on it so that they would think we hung up and stay on, but I know you're still there, get off the phone, but there's, when you, it's, when you want to be in a relationship with someone, you're drawn to talk to them, and the more you talk, the more that relationship is built. And that's really, probably in my mind, the greatest aspect of prayer is that as we talk to God and get quiet and listen, we come to know him personally. In Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, God says to, to Jeremiah, but to all of his people, when you call out to me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you call to me and come and pray to me, I'll hear you. And there's something in all of our hearts that we want to connect with God. I, part of my growing up years, I lived in, in Taiwan. And this was a Buddhist and animist culture predominantly. And I have vivid images of seeing people kneeling down in front of idols and praying and speaking, their mouths, their mouths moving, speaking to this inanimate thing that can't hear them, that can't answer them. But there's still such a desire to connect with God that they're drawn to prayer. And God says, hey, when you pray, I will hear you, and I will answer you. And so, as we come to him and listen, we, we do get to know him and experience him personally. So that's the first reason, the best one. Second reason is why to pray is that the best examples that we have all prioritize prayer. Um, you look at the great people who've known God throughout history and God's used for great things, they all have a powerful prayer life. We see this throughout the Bible. The, the writers of the Bible and the apostles, they're always encouraging us to pray, and they're always modeling prayer. Um, Paul does that over and over again, and in one of those examples is 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. He says, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And so, I'm constantly praying. I'm constantly remembering and praying for the people that I, that I care about and love. Not only the apostles, but Jesus. Prayer played a very important part in Jesus' life. We see in, in Mark 1.35, it says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, 
left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke 6.12 it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So we see Jesus getting up early, setting his alarm or whatever he needed to do to get up while people, it was still dark, and finding time with God. And then we see this other example where he spent all night up on a mountain alone with God, praying. And you think, well, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. But as a man, he still needed to pray. I think that you and I really need to pray too. Um, what's really interesting to me is that not only did Jesus pray when he was on earth, but one of the main things he's doing right now, if not the main thing, is he's praying for us. Jesus is interceding. In Hebrews 7.25, we read, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, through Jesus, since he, speaking of Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. That's a wild idea. If you think, here Jesus is now, he's ascended to heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and his main ministry now is praying for us. That's mind-boggling, but he is interceding, praying, speaking on our behalf, praying for God to work in our lives and for God's grace to to happen. In in Romans 8.34, it talks about this also. It says, who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So here he is doing that. I, uh, last month, I read the book by Francis Chan. I think I mentioned this a couple, few weeks ago. Um, letter, to the, letter to the Church. And one thing he says in there, and I had all of our, our campus ministry staff read this book and read, read uh, a chapter from this book and there's a line in there where he says if I if my staff are not praying for an hour a day I tell them that I'll replace them with somebody who does somebody who will and so when I read that I was like oh that kind of was, was convicting to me and then when our staff read that that was one of the things they were like oh my goodness that was convicting and so we all decided together, okay, we're going to commit to doing that. We're going to, between now and at least the end of May, we're going to make a point to spend an hour a day in focused prayer. And I, I haven't been perfect, but I had a sense, you know, that where my prayer was at needed to go to a new level. And it has gone to a new level, just in the amount of time I'm spending every day praying and the intentionality with it. And it's been so good. I mean, it's just been like, wow, I, why wasn't I doing this before? Just the level of connection with God, the level of just things happening, things kind of falling into place. It's like new opportunities and conversations. Like that wasn't happening before, and that's happening now. And so there's something about, you see the people that God uses, they have this practice in their life, and it's not a coincidence. All right, third reason. This might be my favorite one. Why should we pray? Because there is a devil. There is a devil. And sometimes that's the thing that motivates us the most, is knowing, wow, there is an enemy, and he hates us, and we're in a war. That'll, when you realize you're in a war, that'll, that'll wake you up. And that whole opening verse about pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion, the whole context of that chapter, it's the famous spiritual warfare chapter in Ephesians chapter 6, where, 
Paul is telling us, hey, take up the armor of God. Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. It's all about this, this battle going on. And it starts out in Ephesians 6, 12, where we read, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And so the fact that we live in the midst of spiritual battle, and there are, are intelligent entities that are trying to take us out, and trying to thwart God's purposes, that is reason to pray. One of the most inspiring stories to me in the Bible is, Daniel was a man who, who was committed to prayer. And there would be seasons where God really laid it upon his heart to pray in a more focused way. And there was one time where he was praying for, for God's people and God's purposes. And he was fasting. And on the 20, it was 21 days of him fasting. Unlike, we're not all individually fasting for 21 days as a church, but he did. And on the 21st day, the angel showed up. The archangel showed up to, and had a message for him. And he told Daniel, hey, I had been sent, I was sent with this message 21 days ago, but the, the spiritual, the prince of Persia, which was a demonic power over that region, was waging war against me in the heavenly dimension. And so it took 21 days for me to get here, but your prayers were helping me to get the victory. So think about that, that when we're praying, there's affecting things. History is being shaped and changed in the heavenly dimension. We have no idea what's going on. But there's a, there, there's a, there is warfare going on, and, and the persistent prayer pushes forward God's purposes and, and makes a difference. That's pretty crazy, huh? Can you imagine if we could see, like, every time we're praying, like, what's going on spiritually? That would, that would blow our minds, but it would be kind of cool, too, to see that. So there's a powerful reason. Here's another great one. Through prayer... Anxiety is replaced with peace and joy. That's enough reason right there, right? If that's true, if that's true, then I'm going to pray. Through prayer, anxiety is replaced with peace and joy. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I, I become saddened by how often I hear people saying, I have anxiety, I have anxiety, and I'm, I'm anxious. And I understand the battle. But God has given us a way to not live with anxiety. In, in Philippians 4, again Paul's writing, verse 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So there's, don't be anxious, but in every situation, how do you, what do you do when you're starting to feel anxious? Present your request to God. And then, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I like that. It, tra- it transcends understanding. That means, when I'm in a situation where I don't know how it's going to work out, and my tendency is to worry about it, and be anxious about it, but when I pray, God's peace comes, and the situation hasn't changed, I don't know why I should feel peaceful, per se, if I'm looking at the circumstances, but God's peace comes because the reason is, is because 
because God is in control, and I've entrusted it to him, and he's, he's there. So the peace of God transcends all understanding, will, will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Um, man, that's, that's awesome. That's, it says, in every situation, no matter what we're facing, every anxious thought we're feeling, every situation we're, we're facing, it can be replaced. And, you know, I've, do you know any peaceful people? Like people that are like, they're just different. They, they have peace. And you're like, I would like to be that way. Well, this is, this is why they're that way, that they've learned to come before God and bring their needs and requests to Him, and He replaces it with, their, with, with His peace. In John 16, 24, Jesus tells His disciples, Until now, you've asked for nothing in My name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. Wow, again, that's a great promise. God has joy for us. And the way we get it is by asking. And ask for, ask for the things that we need. Ask for the things that He wants to do in the world. And as, as we do, He answers and our joy is made full. All right. Number five. Fifth reason to pray. Prayer is the way we receive the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus said, If you then, though you're evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Those who pray for it. The Holy Spirit is... God wants to give the Holy Spirit to us. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. How do we receive that? We ask. In Acts 4.31, it says, When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. There's something about when we pray, God's Spirit comes and is poured out. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and His boldness comes upon us. Things are shaken. Things change when the Holy Spirit comes. Um, Alright, number six. This is a good one. These are all good, but there's another good one. Sixth reason to pray. To overcome our selfishness and prepare to stand before Christ. Overcome our selfishness. I know it's hard to pray because I'm selfish, but when I pray, that selfishness decreases. And Jesus talked about this in Luke 21, verse 34 through 36. He says, Constantly be on your guard so that your hearts will not be loaded down with self-indulgence, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. Or that day will take you by surprise, like a trap, because it will come on everyone who lives on the face of of the earth. So be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to take your stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Now there's, we're constantly in this battle. I said we're in a war and really the biggest enemy is probably our own flesh and our own self-indulgence and our own selfishness. But there's something that as we pray, God transforms us. And that selfishness is, put, is surrendered to God. And, and I love this, this last phrase. It's, you're able to take your stand in the presence of the Son of Man. This is talking about Jesus returning. And saying, hey, you want to be ready. That's going to be, you don't, that's going to be like looking, like when the, the boss comes back. And he's giving you a job. And are you able to look him in the eye in that moment? But it, times 10,000 
You know, it's like much more intense that Jesus is coming back and we're going we're gonna to give an account and look at him. And he said, how can we be made ready? By being on your guard and, and being in prayer, being alert and being in prayer. That is what works God's work in our life so we can be ready for what he wants to do. And then seventh one here. Prayer is God's way of obtaining things. It's the way that we obtain what God wants us to obtain in life. Prayer is the way we receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Um, in, in James 4.2, we're told you do not have because you do not ask. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the great secret of all lack in our experience, in our life, and in our work, is neglect of prayer. Then he said this. I, I love this, sort of. It's kind of convicting, but it's good. He wrote this. Why is it, many a Christian is asking, that I make so little progress in my Christian life? Neglect of prayer, God answers. You have not because... You ask not. Why is it, many a minister is asking, I see so little fruit from my labors. Again, God answers, neglect of prayer. You have not, because you ask not. Why is it, many a Sunday school teacher is asking, that I see so few converted in my Sunday school class. Still God answers, neglect of prayer. You do not have, because you do not ask. Why is it both ministers and churches are asking that the church of Christ makes so little headway against unbelief and error and sin and worldliness? Once more we hear God answering, neglect of prayer, you do not have because you do not ask. And that's, but if we can see like, wow, this is the way God has made for us to receive his promises. As I, the last two days I was in Kansas, last three days I was in Kansas City, and I got together with some, a uh, few different alumni who'd been part of our church, and they're, they're now working in Kansas City, and so I spent the night, two nights ago, with a guy named Lynn Browning, and I was remembering, Lynn is an engineer now in Kansas City, he's married, he's got like a, a two-year-old little girl, and he's, um, he's a, a pillar, in, in City Life Church there, our sister church in Kansas City. And but I was remembering that in, when we first were starting our outreach on the campus here at K-State, we did this, this outreach, and we, we, we did this presentation about music and what that speaks to and the, the quest in people's hearts for looking for more. And we were praying, God, would you, would you bring people to faith in you through this outreach? And we were believing God for something to happen. And... Lo and behold, it wasn't a lot of people that came, but Lynn Browning showed up, and Lynn Browning committed his life to Christ that night, and Lynn Browning is a disciple of Jesus 12 years later, and the the ripple effect of that has been amazing. I had breakfast yesterday with a guy named Lawrence Tan, who a lot of you guys know Lawrence, and I was remembering the same thing. It was like seven years ago, we we had an outreach in the fall, and we had some students coming from other campuses on their fall break, and we were praying, God, would you reach students with the gospel? And we had some focused prayer going into that week. And we met Lawrence on campus that week, and he was open and just kind of waiting for someone to talk to him about God. And shortly after that, he accepted Christ. And now Lawrence is an architect in Kansas City. He's 
a faithful disciple. He's a member of that same church. He is advancing the kingdom of God. I think that was a direct result of people praying and then people going out and bringing the gospel. And I thought, it's amazing. Like, it works. Like, when we pray and when we step out in obedience to God, he does stuff. And this is, this is how it works. So, and the things that God has put, there are things in this year that God has for, for us individually, for us as a church. He wants to bring about, he wants to advance his kingdom. He is advancing his kingdom. But we participate in that in correspondence with our prayers. That as we're trusting him, as we're agreeing with him in prayer, he comes through and we receive what he's promised for us. And so, what do we do? Pray. That's a pretty simple application to this, this message. Is, man, God, help me to pray. Help increase the, the quality and the quantity of prayer in my life. I want to give a couple just specific details. One is, if you haven't done this, begin a daily time of prayer. There's something so powerful about just setting some time aside I think the morning's a great time, before you go to bed's a great time, any time's a great time, but having a time where you're saying, okay, I'm clearing my plate, like Jesus said, going into a closet, getting away from distractions, and listening to God, talking to God, bringing your request before Him, that is a, a powerful way to increase the prayer in our life. Um, another thing is to practice praying throughout the day. So it's not only just those moments, but to be checking in with God throughout the day and just okay, God, what are you saying? And, oh, Lord, I'm believing for this. Would you do this? Just keep the practice, keep the communication open throughout the day. Um, another thing is to pray with others. As Jesus said that if you agree with anyone else in my name, in prayer, it shall be done for you. And so praying with other people is a, is a great way to pray. And one way we do that practically is every Sunday morning at 9.15, we've got a group that prays in the kids' space room over there. And it's one of my highlights of the week. Um, so... You're, everybody's invited to show up. We pray for like 15 minutes, and it's, it's a great thing to do, even if it's like once a month. It's a great way to come together with other people and to pray. And then the last thing I want to say is, is get fervent in your prayer. Fervent's not a word we, we use a lot, but it basically means be passionate. Sometimes I think as good, good Midwesterners, I hear sometimes we pray like, oh, Lord, Help Aunt Bertha in the hospital, and thank you for the flowers and your creation, and amen. <laughs> it's like we have these just such bland, boring, unenthusiastic, unpassionate prayers, and we fall asleep in prayer. God's probably falling asleep <laughs> listening to our prayers. Like, man, that's just so, like, I don't think you're really praying. But there is a, a principle of, of, of passion and fervency that, that matters. There's a power in being persistent and, and being fervent. And oftentimes that means raising your voice and having some energy and emotion. In James 5.16, we're told that it's the fervent prayer of the righteous person that's powerful and effective. And so, and I never get mad at people for praying too loud. Like that's, that's like, yeah, it, yeah there's a, there should be an energy. And even in... I. My kids sometimes think I'm crazy, but I find myself like pacing up and down in my basement and sometimes yelling out and praying. And it's like, God, you've got to do this. And man, that's, that's some of the most powerful time of prayer for me. And I think there's something about it. It doesn't have to be loud, but it's a, a fervor, a passion that, that really does matter. I want to encourage us to, to, to enter into that. And that's really what, what this uh, fasting is a way to be fervent. 
is to say, man, I care enough about this to make it a priority in my life and stop doing something that I really like doing. And I probably like more than any of you guys, which is eating. I, I love to eat. I love my six meals a day. They're amazing. But fasting is saying there's something I, it's valuable to me, but I'm more passionate about God and about his will being accomplished. And so I'm going to turn aside from that thing, and I'm going to bring my passion to God and to his kingdom. And there's a power of what God does in our lives and in the world when we bring that fervor. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting, great opportunity right there. All right, well, um, we're going to talk about this at our tables. Any, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it for your table. So I've got a couple questions for you here. Um, Which one of these, if any, speaks to you the most? So answer that. Which one of these speaks to me the most, is most relevant to me? Is there anything God's impressing upon my heart to put into practice? And then we want to give you a, a little time to actually pray. Since we're talking, we don't want to just talk about prayer, but actually pray. So we're going to take 10 minutes to do that. So make sure you allow a little time for prayer. But what, are the, what stands out from this? Just anything from the message that stands out to you. And then take a couple minutes and pray together. And we have a... We don't have a 10-minute timer. We have a 5-minute timer. So in 5 minutes, we're going to start that 5-minute timer. All right? It's pretty complicated here. So you can keep an eye on that so you make sure you don't run out of time. And then Katie's going to get up and wrap us up. So go for it.